to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Emergency episode of the Dave's I Know podcast. Um, if you are listening to this, you certainly know what the emergency was and why we're recording it. Uh, I literally put out a call to uh, any and all former Dave's I Know co-hosts or whatever, uh, and so far only one Dan Wade has answered the call. Dan, it's been a while, buddy. Talking to you on the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I honestly, I thought this day would never come. I uh, <laughs> you and me I both, figured, brother. I figured I'd be six feet under and six months dead before Adrian Heath finally stepped down. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so we're burying the lead here and this is, this is not technically episode 300. We're saving that one because we actually have some really good guests lined up for that one. So we're, <laughs> we're calling this episode 299. Uh, uh, episode alpha is an alpha as an a Heath is out. Uh, Adrian Heath is out. That is what we're going to refer to this podcast as or, Something else. I'll probably come up with some other clever name for it. But yeah, Barry and Lead, Adrian Heath, uh, re- removed is I think the one of the, the proper verb for it as man like in from the front office entirely uh, as manager, whatever sporting director as title he had. Mark Watson also gone uh, as well as uh, head scout Harrison Heath also uh, <laughs> removed from their their duties uh, with this team. And again, as Dan's point, man, this is I. I think we talked about this in the last podcast, or no, maybe I didn't. We did talk about it because we, we didn't really want to talk about it until after the after the game on Saturday, when you know we figured they would just crap the bed and be eliminated, and we could spend some time talking about it. This is probably of the scenarios I saw the least possible scenario, right? I assumed a number one was like if they were just going to keep going. Uh, B, they would basically put pressure Heath to resign as the, the coach and just move upstairs to the sporting director job. Uh, and then this was the last possible scenario I saw. Like, I think I would have maybe given this like 1% chance of happening and the others way more, right? Like um, what were your thoughts on, on this before we, before we heard about the announcement this morning? Yeah, no, I'm right with you. And I think I mentioned this in Slack that like he had said it was either last year or the year before, uh, you know, it was, it was last year because it was right before they played Everton. Um, <clears throat> you know, that, that his time in coaching was probably coming to an end and, uh, and, you know, he, he was imagining the, the rest of his career, probably kind of director of football and overseeing things. And he was talking like almost wistfully about it. Um, and then actually ended up having to come out with another statement saying, you know, <laughs> Hey, like that's, we were just shooting the shit on, on what the future might look like. I'm totally focused on, on, being the coach of Minnesota United, yada, yada, yada. And so that's like the thing I've had out there. I honestly didn't think this team would ever fire Adrian Heath. I thought it would be sort of the graceful departure from coaching and then he'd be in the front office. And at some point he would just not want to put in that time and he would fully retire. The The fact that they took the opportunity or the, the chance 
to completely sever ties with him felt unfathomable even 48 hours ago. <laughs> yeah, they got completely boat raced by LAFC, but they've lost some weird bad games before and everyone just kind of shrugs and we move on. Like when I when the text started flowing in, I actually didn't see the news. I was just getting texted from like eight people all at once being like, holy shit, you have the best website right now. Uh, <laughs> which is Dan, funny. I was Dan, Dan Wade, proprietor of heathout.com, uh, yeah. by the way. So, yeah. And my own like portfolio website, which is, I, I thought I had like gone viral. I was real excited. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> also, also Dan needs a job. So if you, if, if you, if you're hiring, uh, let, let us, let Dan know. Yeah. Uh, like when it, when it sort of hit like, holy shit, like Adrian Heath no longer is going to be coaching this team. Adrian Heath is no longer part of this team's DNA. They, they went full, run through a nuclear reactor, purify yourself in the lodge of Lake Minnetonka, whatever you want to say about this. Adrian Heath has been synonymous with Minnesota United for seven years now. And starting today, starting tomorrow, there's not a hint of Heath left. And I straight up never thought that was going to be possible. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think a lot of people thought that there was some sort of like, you know, uh, sideways you know backroom deal where that yeah once adrian heath's contract was finished so he's he was he's contracted through next year i believe i think 2024 yep. Yep. is the and everybody kind of assumed that because he was also in the sporting the sporting director role basically that after his contract was up he would you know basically just move upstairs and um i think a lot of people and I, myself you know too like wrongfully just thought that that was just going to, that was going to be the thing that happened, right? Like that there, but there, that there was yeah, said some sort of like, you know, handshake secret agreement kind of deal. Um, which is why I think a lot of us did not think this day would come where we would like, where he would be gone because we just assumed, you know, McGuire, Dr. McGuire for, you know, there's, he's lots of things. He's um, to the people he trusts. He's a very loyal person. So I, I just always assumed that, um, you know, living in that, on that dude's property meant you were going to have a job for life, but <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, so that's, so it's funny. I, I was on a call when, uh, uh, found, I, when I found out the news, um, and I was all of a sudden my phone just started like dinging, like ding, 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 like pinging me, pinging me. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And someone on the call was like, Oh, it looks like Adrian Heath just got fired. And I was like, Oh, that's why every and I literally put my <laughs> phone down and I had like I haven't gotten that many messages since like when Clara was born. Uh two and a half, <laughs> two and a half, two and a half years ago, man. That was the last time like my phone was just like blowing up. It was getting hot. I was like, oh, way too many people uh text me and and with congratulations or, or whatever. So uh that was that was a that was a weird as weird as hell experience in the morning. So yeah, I the funny thing about it, one, I think because it was so so surprising i don't know anyone who even got a sniff of this and that's that keeps entirely with how minnesota united does business we don't tend to get a lot of transfer rumors we don't get a lot of backroom scuttlebutt um i remember last year after the union omaha loss the fact that we got some quotes from boxy and i think from will trap that sounded like there was any strife behind the scenes even that was unusual so this was always going to come like a lightning out of the blue but I think it just meant that for the first like hour after Tom Bogert had uh, had broken the news, we were all just processing it. 
just trying to figure yeah. out like what does this mean i mean we didn't know whether harrison heath would still be a scout for minnesota united until like 4 30 or 5 when sherry ballard talked to the media so there's just because heath has been so integral to this team there are just so many things that need to be untangled now like in just like a very nuts and bolts way. I can't imagine being the IT person who has to like deactivate all of his accounts <laughs> in Minnesota United systems. Like he's got, he's probably his fucking MailChimp access just because like one time he wanted to see how an email looked. They're like, well, just fucking give Adrian his MailChimp access. And now you have to go through all of those systems and like take, take out a Heath I'm, at MinnesotaUnited.com. I'm pretty goddamn sure Adrian Heath was not uh, accessing MailChimp or anything beyond... Uh, <laughs> Uh, cell phone i'm guessing that dude even didn't even look at his email honestly <laughs> like so but uh, you know you're right he has been i think integral of uh, doing a lot of work there i think he's been uh in like infective part of the system like he has been he's infected himself into the system um so there's there's and so yeah to your point though there's lots of uh, other unanswered questions right so clearly you know they're, they're making a um you know, a, a full change in the sporting side of things. I don't know if anybody asked about like what uh, Manny or Amos's roles and responsibilities. I know they shifted a little bit at the beginning of the year to be less overseeing of the sporting side. Um, so I'd be curious as to what, if any roles, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Manny um, and Amos who have both done, you know, sporting side stuff for other teams in the past, um, will slide over for a little bit to like, you know, ease the transition, but it sounds like they're going for a full rebuild on the sporting side. So, um, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of that the actual, one of the ironies here is that actually on the sporting side, um, on the recruitment side, the team has done a much better job, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, uh, in terms of like identifying some young talent that looks good and, 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 you know, bringing players in the problem Heath Heath the sporting director has been okay Heath the manager has been the problem <laughs> and Heath the manager and Heath the sporting director never actually got along and figured out what the hell they needed from each other I think that is a, a big thing so I'll be curious to see what they decide to do uh, on in terms of both of those positions like who they're who they're targeting and who they're you know talking about bringing in to interview for either and or both of those jobs yeah yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I think it's one we probably unfortunately won't get a, a concrete answer to. Related to that, I'd be really interested to know how, how far these cuts are going to go. I mean, Sean McCauley has been named the interim coach for the, the last two games of the season. Does he get the option to stick around? Does he want to stick around? Um, you know, how how far into the sporting department do you cut knowing that MLS offseason is short. I mean, the, the Loons are going to miss the playoffs, although that's not technically written in stone yet. So you've got, you know, 10 weeks until the end of the year. But at that point, <clears throat> you only have about six weeks from, from January 1 until you're starting preseason. So right. you can say, hey, we want to totally reboot this. We want, you know, no stone left on stone. But this is not something where you can take six months to tear it down and six months to rebuild it like, that's six weeks. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta make your decisions really quickly. So part of that, and I'd be fascinated to know this, how quickly did this come together? Like, <clears throat> yeah. obviously we can point to LAFC was terrible and the San Jose game 
for me, and we can talk about this in more detail later, that was the point where I went from, ha, 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 Adrian Heath shouldn't be the coach of Manchester of uh, Minnesota United before, or again, to, no, he needs to leave right now. But, like, are we talking after League's Cup? I mean, Minnesota looked good in League's Cup. Are we talking September 1st? You know, Sherry Ballard, in her comments today, said, once you make the decision, it doesn't do anyone any good to hold on and pretend this isn't going to happen, which I agree with 100%. I thought her comments today were really, really sharp. Um, but I'd be fascinated to know, like, has this been a month building? Has this been four days building? Did Dr. Bill finally tune into the LAFC game and go, holy shit, I don't want to pay for this. And, and you know, this has really been 48 hours. You know, what's the what was the the buffer here? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. I don't, I do not know. I mean, it seems to me that um, that people around the team were caught off guard by it. You know, like in terms of you know it happening. I think, I think, you know, I was, I was uh, myself mostly resigned. I was like, okay, well, he's if he, especially if he misses the playoffs, the um, that magic elixir of oh, we make the playoffs every year. And you can't make it in the the most convoluted uh, and ridiculous playoff system in in, ma- in major league sports in the, in North America. Um, that will definitely be a straw. You know, say what you want about Dr. McGuire, the dude uh, likes to win. He doesn't. He hates losing. And um, you know, even you know, so you can you can kind of see him like, well, they made the playoffs. We had a chance and we lost. Okay. Um, but I honestly, like I said uh, on the the regular uh, Dave's I Know podcast last week. My my worry, my fear was that we would get four points this week. We would go into the last game against Houston, need three points, win that, finish ninth, win a playoff game, and then get the shit kicked out of us in the in the uh, the round of the, the actual the playoffs. Of, the actual playoffs, and that would be enough. And people are like, oh, let's give them, let them run out there one more time. Um, I think the writing for me seemed to be on the wall um, when they didn't announce an extension for him uh, in the summer. Which is when they have mm. when they've they've announced extensions for him in the summer. Um, I think at that point, so so in what's you know generally it's about like it's after season ticket renewal is done, so people can't opt out of their season tickets uh, very easily. <laughs> I mean, you still can, but you, you can't do it very easily. So you know, typically like late July, early August is when they would announce the the renewal for him or the extension or or whatever it was. Um, and that's and when that didn't happen, it was like okay. It's interesting because his contract's up in in you know just a little more than a year, um, and I think maybe that was kind of like the win win something kind of maybe they had that discussion with him was basically like you need to win something, which is maybe why you saw the team go at it for a little harder in the league's cup because I think Heath maybe you know maybe he saw the writing on the wall that they weren't you know th- that the playoffs in MLS Cup would be tough. They were definitely not going to win the supporter shield. He knew he had to win a trophy. He was already out of the U.S. Open Cup and figured, fuck it, let's go for it. And that's why you saw maybe the team open up a little bit in the uh, Open Cup and him not do some of the rotation that I think a lot of us thought they would use the Open Cup for. I don't remember having those conversations, but I think a lot of us thought there'd be some rotation. You would get some of the younger guys in uh, chance, but he he basically ran up the same 11 um, most weeks. I, I, Minus the weeks where we get red cards for uh, <laughs> doing stupid shit, Michael Boxall, um, whatever. So yeah, I mean, I think that might have been where the sort of the writing was on the wall. Basically, win something or this is it. And you know, maybe and maybe at this case, he's he, after the game on on Wednesday, he's went to them and said, 
listen, it, we're, I know we're no, I'm not sticking around. Like just let's pull the, let's pull the ripcord or something. I, I would, it would surprise me if he, if he did that, but it, it, you know, also wouldn't surprise me if the team went to him and said, you know, either we can do this now before, you know, before this game, or we'll do it after the season, but you're, you know, playing it out, playing out the string. And I think maybe at that point he was like, I'd rather not be, you know, uh, a dead rubber here. So. Yeah. The, the only reason I don't think he was given that opportunity was because at that point, doesn't he resign? Doesn't he say like, look, I, this, this is not working. I need to step away. You're the proverbial. I need to spend more time with my family, but like, they were pretty clear. Like he, he is, he's, being removed. He is there's, not part of, of Minnesota anymore. There's probably some financial considerations. If he resigns, they probably don't have to pay him. And if okay. they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they say, listen, we're gonna you're, we're removing you. Um, you know, he could, you know, maybe maybe he's he could be an ass about it, but he, maybe he's like, okay, just pay me the rest of my contract and we're good. And then that's what the you know, I I don't know. Obviously, we none of us know or probably will ever know what the actual like um you know machinations behind there, but I'm guessing there's probably some sort of compensation a piece attached to it. Right. Like and he has, you know, if he wants to manage again somewhere, if he wants to maybe go back to England and manage, you know, in a lower division or, you know, run a, you know, run a sporting side of a lower division, he doesn't want to be a complete asshole to people too. Right. Like he wants to right. have a good, wants to leave on good terms. And most managers do. Most managers are not leaving on, you know, like burning the bridges on the way out unless you're like Jose Mourinho. Um, and <laughs> trust me, Adrian Heath is no Jose Mourinho. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So what was your, so what was your favorite Adrian Heath uh, memory or, or oh. Heath, Heath family memory? Let's put it that way. Oh my gosh. I'm not, I'm going to leave Harrison for you. I honestly, I think it was like midway through 2021 when the stories from the bubble started coming out and it turned out that like Adrian Heath, Bob Bradley, and Bruce Arena, I think those were the three. I know Arena and Heath for sure. I can't remember who that third one was. Went through like a case of wine a night. Yeah. Like, and not a case between the three of them, a case like per person per night, like for like the entirety of the bubble. And honestly, I I have absolutely no problem. He's he's wine drinking. I know rubs some people the wrong way, which I'm like, whatever. Like of all the vices he could have, like let him have his Pinot Noir or whatever. I would have paid good money just to sit as a fly on the wall. I don't even have to pour me a glass. I just want to hear those three guys riff on all of the shit they have seen in the <laughs> soccer world. I think it was, I think it, it wasn't necessarily like his wine drinking. It was like the fact that he drank like shitty, like Pinot Grigio's. Like he didn't drink even like, I mean, in, to every, to each their own, right? But I'm like, it was, yeah. it was, it was very much like a, oh, okay, that's a weird, that's a weird <laughs> wine for, for a dude who looks like that, who's a Tory from, you know, um, fucking, you know, Southampton basically. So, um, as long as he's not like chugging Malort, I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, that would adhere him to some people, not, not me, but not you, but some people. So, uh, yeah, there's so, there's so many, uh, I, I want to say the very first time, uh, I ever met the guy when at the local, they invited a bunch of, uh, su of supporters to the local, uh, he came down from the second level down the stairs and was like shaking hands, taking pictures. He shook my hand and I was wearing my Liverpool hat, uh, and he's like, ha, you have to take that off. And I was like, ha, 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 it's funny. And, you know, and he's like, no, 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 take it off. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're a 
prick. Okay, cool. Good, <laughs> good to know. Um, and so I was just like, uh, so I was maybe always pre predisposed to not like the guy, but uh, so that was like my first. And then um, I think uh, yeah, my I mean I don't know my favorite Heath family memory is obviously Harrison Heath getting a red card from the bench uh, against Colorado at uh, TCF at what it was called at the time TCF Bank Stadium. Um, I have that picture. I woke up this morning, uh, kissed that picture. I'm going to kiss that picture before I go to bed tonight. Uh, so yeah, and it's <laughs> memorialized by uh, uh, Tim McLaughlin. Um, got that and printed that out for me. The guy who, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, uh, at, at the end of the weekend, <laughs> the dejected picture of me in a party hat, Tim McLaughlin <laughs> took that picture as well. So um, let's see if I can get that picture and get it framed as well. Um, hanging on my wall somewhere. So, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, and there's, you know, far too many him. Uh, Adrian refusing to play Darwin Quintero or refusing to start Darwin Quintero at the U S open cup when he was the U S open cup golden boot winner uh, down in Atlanta, um, him refusing to start him in the playoffs that year. Uh, Cause they were on the outs. Uh, Christian Ramirez. I mean, there are, you know, the hits, the, the bangers come left to right there. And there were some good ones, but um, yeah, the, and it's sad that all the, you know, negative emotions and negative memories are the ones that come flooding back first, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It is, it is what it is. And like, I started writing this up and I'll have a post up on he uh about this at some point. And like, the interesting thing to me is so much of what I dislike about Adrian Heath. Like I'm a hardcore data guy through and through. That's how I, I made my name in baseball, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't necessarily show up in the numbers. It's not that his teams consistently underperformed their expected goals. Although I think they probably did. It's not that, you know, they, they were consistently awful at defense or it, it's just all of these little things that built up over time. Um, Michael Rand in his column on on Heath's departure referred to it as sudden, uh, gradually, and then all at once, which is a quote, I believe, from Hemingway. Um, I don't remember which book. Uh, And like, that's really accurate. But like, the longer I sat there and thought about it, it was like, it's, it's honestly hard for me to point to like, outside of the two Quinteros not starting or not playing Colin Martin on pride at all after Martin came out. Right. Um, not forgot about letting, that one. Uh, not letting Miguel Obara get an ovation in his last game as a loon. Like there are, there are a lot of like those things, but outside of those big ones, it was just this constant barrage of tiny Nixon cuts of him, like always insinuating that the fans were dumb. Like I remember when, the first time he got asked about his substitution patterns or complete lack thereof. And he was like, yeah, that's just an American fascination. Nobody in Europe cares about that. I, okay. I will admit I'm an American soccer fan. I can't really hide either of those parts. So I was like, okay, well, like, where did I come up with this? Cause my introduction to the game sure as hell wasn't MLS. It was EPL. So I went into the Arsenal subreddit and like at the time, they were also bemoaning a substitution pattern. And then it was like eight of the top 20 posts were about subs. And I was like, okay, so this isn't an American thing at all. And then you start to look at the effects of Adrian Heath not subbing ever. And I actually just pulled numbers on this. Minnesota dropped on average, like 
a half point per game after September 1st because he had run teams into the ground. And this year it's worse. I mean, this year, prior to September 1st, we were averaging 1.4 points per game. And from September 1 on, it's 0.42 points per game. The whole point. And like, he can say, oh, none of these things matter. They clearly matter. Like it, it has gotten from, it has gone from, okay, that's your opinion to like, no, I actually have the data that proves you're a moron. And it's just, it's honestly hard to write up. Like I, I've written up firings before and it's usually like, okay, well, you know, here are the five biggest faults they had and here's how I can prove it. And with Heath, it's like, no, you were just really aggressively shitty and you didn't have the results to back it up. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the other thing too is just yeah. To, I mean, to your point, sort of like the condescending tone, and the problem was that a lot of us saw that and recognized it, and then so many people didn't. And and I would get. Um, I mean, I just I don't know. Like if people notice, I just stopped talking about Heath at all, like on on Twitter, um, basically for the last year, because I'm like anytime because I, I would bring it up, and then people would yell at me, and I'm just like, I don't, you know, I you're I'm not changing your mind. You're not changing mine. I'm just not going to, I'm going to talk about the team, but I'm not going to mention Heath. I'm not going to hashtag Heath out any of that shit. You know, any of that shit that I started seven fucking years ago. I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it, <laughs> let other people do it. And then, um, and every, you know, anytime you talk about the guy, you know, like, yes, he was, he was a generally an affable, apparently an affable guy, uh, joked, like to joke and play along. But I've heard some stories from people who, that, that Heath was an outright asshole to, um, and you know, because, you know, because he's a cis head white dude with an English accent, he just gets away, you know, got away with a lot of that stuff. And, and, and he got a lot, got away with it from a lot of people who he was giving it out to mostly because they did not want to rock the boat. They did not want to say anything to anybody. And so, you know, and I've seen it, you know, from some of the, even, you know, the press conferences and stuff got a chance to go to, it's very, you know, it, it's not, I don't know. Anytime you would question him and his tactics, he would just, it, it felt like he was a man bereft of tactics because he, he fancied himself a tactical, you know, genius or, or whatever. And then anytime you'd mention it or bring it up or, you know, you'd have someone ask him a quote about it, he would just give you like this, like Trumpian gobbledygook, um, completely trying to change, you know, change the answer or change the question or whatever. And if you, you know, you can, so you know, I don't know. It just as much as the guy is, I'm so I'm sure he's a nice guy. Don't you know mean any ill will to the guy. Also, it's kind of like eventually, you know, fraudsters get found out eventually. <laughs> um, maybe not for a while, maybe not for seven years, but eventually they get found out. Yeah, I, most of the like really negative things I heard about Heath are not my stories to tell. Mm -hmm. But once you get a and you and I both had it, a reputation as being people who very much disliked Adrian Heath. There are people inside the organization affiliated in one way or another who will tell you like, yeah, this dude was not a good dude. Uh, I think one player who's been pretty upfront about that is Azeel Jackson. And basically that Minnesota specifically Adrian Heath just throws him out completely. And he goes to St. Louis and he gets a, a chance at some playing time and completely balls out. Yeah. You know, Raheem Edwards is another one who, you know, just being, I think a little bit of an older pro hasn't mentioned it in the media, but the proof is in the pudding. 
you know, <laughs> I, have a, I, I have a Raheem Edwards story. So um, and I think I've told on the podcast, so you can go back and listen to, to that. But yeah, uh, I yeah, I hear you. And I'm, I, I would be it would surprise it would not surprise me if we hear a little bit more, um, especially if he leaves MOS entirely um, and either, you know, fully retires or goes back to England or something. I, I, I think there's I, I have no idea what the hell happened with Ike Opara. Um, that, that is, I imagine that's a, a, a massive story. And, uh, I, I just, I mean, again, it's, it's not anybody else's story to tell it's, it's Ike's and, and all that. And, um, but yeah, man, the, the way, the fact that that went so sour, so rapidly just is still mind boggling. And I, I would, I really hope eventually at some point we're able to find out, but only on, um, you know, on the terms of the people, uh, who, have that story to tell so yeah but, whoever yeah. that's kid in the game yeah it's yeah I, I one of the things i'm really looking forward to about whoever comes in is just a restart right like restart the relationship with the media restart the relationship with the fans and look maybe that goes south too you know lots of coaches don't have a great relationship with the fan base but at this point i think things had gotten so just like ossified that we knew he thought we were all dumb sheep. He probably was very familiar that he was not popular with a good section of the fan base. And I don't think anybody, I don't think anything was going to change either of that. Yeah. Either of those things, but also it never seemed like he wanted to try. Um, that was, yeah, which, that was the other thing, man. It's like, I, I have some relationships where people that like, you know, something we had a falling out or whatever. And you know, for some of it's years ago, I have no idea. I've, I've tried, I've made the overtures. I've, I've tried and I've, and then the other person's not, and the other person's not reciprocated. Um, and at some point, you just gotta stop trying because if that person's not not gonna reciprocate, they're not they're not gonna meet you at least somewhere in the middle. They're not necessarily like halfway, but like somewhere in between where they are, you know, calcified in their beliefs and where you are. And you know, you can only reach across the aisle so far before you like tumble over and and you know fall ass over tea kettle or something. So um, I think you're right. This is actually a good transition uh, to talk about you know, what we would, would be interested in. Obviously it's, you know, I'm guessing as you kind of alluded to, this is a, a fairly quick decision. So I'm, I'm guessing the team doesn't have a lot, like a list of, of coaches or anything like that. Who do you think we will target and who, I mean, in your dream world, who would you want to target for, for this job? And, and then I know there's what, there's like six or seven other MLS coaching jobs right now, um, maybe even more in a couple, in a couple of weeks. Um, where does it, you know, where, so there's three questions maybe there, where does this job rank amongst all those? And now we've chatted a little bit on our Slack, but maybe we can give people some audio version of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, as far as who's I, who I would target total dream world money's no object. Go get me Jesse Marsh. Like speaking of a guy who has a good relationship with the media who will meet the fans halfway. Jesse Marsh bent over backwards to win over Leeds fans. And those are some tough <laughs> fans. Those guys are. are insane. And, you know, I respect it, but like Marsh knew that and he knew it was going to be trouble and he still did the work anyway. And, and I respect the hell out of that. I also think he's a terrific tactician and he's a Wisconsin boy. It'd be a pretty cool homecoming. So that's, we probably can't afford Jesse Marsh, but that's my pipe dream. Um, the number one name I've got that's a little bit more realistic is Oscar Pereja, who is technically still under contract with Orlando, 
Orlando is the second seed in the West. So you would imagine he gets extended, but if he doesn't, he'd be my number one. Of the people that are just sort of floating out there, Gio Savarese would be tempting to me. There's no way in hell he's coming to Minnesota, bud. <laughs> <laughs> just trust me on that one. There's no way in hell he's coming to Minnesota. So, Ah, oh, but he looks so good in scarves, and we have I, such a cold... Uh, that's I, know, I know, I um, know. <clears throat> Robin Frazier would be another one I'd be really interested in. He had an amazing season in Colorado and then has really struggled to put more success together. A lot of that's due to injury. Some of it is due to... Colorado has some of the most snake bit DPs of anyone in MLS. Like I understand, you know, injuries happen and Jack Price got hurt against the loons this year, but then didn't their other DP got arrested for bribery in Brazil. Isn't that like, yeah, that's, that's Don, that's Dan Cranky uh, not realizing he has an MLS team in his portfolio. I think basically they, they just, they pay out of couch cushions when, you know, whatever they, they turn over their couch cushions and they, and you know, they, um, figure out what they can or like the, the guys who are too high and too drunk and, and they throw them in the drunk tank at caught at the Dick Sporting Good Park and they just like turn them upside down and shake out their shake out their pants to see you know how many joints and stuff that they have they can turn around and sell so they raise money to pay their players. That's how the, the Colorado Rapids I think <laughs> budgets their budgets their seasons. Colorado's but, payroll is two million dollars higher than the loons. I know. That's that. Yeah, that's that's your DP point. I think honestly, um, yeah. So you mentioned. I mean, you took Marsh from me. I I think if you if you have, so I think there's two questions here. Like, are you hiring? I think more than likely, if you are hiring Jesse Marsh, you're giving him the sporting director slash manager job, right? And then you're having yes. him bring in somebody who is like a Mark Watson type, who can be the technical director, who can be the person who you know signs the deals. Um, does does like sort of the last bit of scouting, you know, whatever needs to happen, the kind of role that Mark Watson was playing uh, for this team before. But basically, you give the keys to Jesse and say, you develop how you want this team to play, right? He has a, a certain style that he's known for and, a, you know, a, the sort of the Red Bull pressing style. Um, he brought that over to Leeds. He was a, he modified it a little bit with the players that he had. And I think you give him an offseason and sort of, you know, keys to the car, um, I think you, that's that's the best possible option. But it, yeah, to your point, I, I think the loons probably won't. I mean, not that they can't. It's just that they won't open the che- the checkbook because, as we've talked about, I think we, me, and you have talked about this. Like, um, the you know you have a salary cap, right? And you have your DP, so you can go around, you can move around with that and everything. But like, you don't have a salary cap on your coaching staff or your training facilities like you can spend whatever the hell money like if you want actual advantages that's where you spend your money right and uh so i yeah i think you know you could do a lot worse than jesse marsh i like robert frazier too i think to the same to the same point i think he's got he was you know assisted an owner there who was not present um they didn't really Colorado has never really had a style in the seven years that we you know like even when they've been good they're like it's like is it a smash and grab team is it they just play really well at, at in Colorado because it's altitude. So they win a lot of points at home and like, you know, get curb stumped on the road. Um, and I, you know, I think the, the talent, the talent level on Minnesota United is sort of is night and days better than the talent level at Colorado. So giving Robin Frazier an opportunity to work with the talent here um, in that. And I guess yeah, sort of like the last question I had was about like the, 
if you are, and we've talked with some MLS guys, there's obviously a few other MLS names that are bouncing around Ezra Hendrickson, uh, Dom Tarrant, Phil Neville, formerly of, of Inter Miami. Yes. Yeah, so lots of passes there. But so there's going to be, and, and Freddie Juarez um, has been bandied about too. He is, I think, currently with Seattle, was the RSL manager, resigned that job to be on Brian Schmetzer's staff um, at Seattle. Um, I'm assuming waiting to a, a better job than RSL opened up. This is back when RSL was going through all their stuff too. Um, RSL is a much better job now with the new owners and everything. So the question I have is, is like, where does this job rank in terms of all the open jobs right now? Right. So New England is open. Chicago is open. Um, uh, Portland, we uh, mentioned before, is open with Savarisi gone. Uh, uh, Wayne Rooney is not, uh, like I said, or like you mentioned, Orlando, DC United, Wayne Rooney is not um, guaranteed through the end. He's guaranteed till the end of this year. Um, the Chicago Fire job is technically open right now. There's lots of job openings, six or seven known job openings, and potentially you know three or four more popping up at the end of the season where do you think this job ranks amongst uh and then you have san diego too coming into the league in, yeah. in a couple of years um where if you want to if you want to build a, a plan and everything like they did with st louis that'd be a, a certain job so where do you think this job ranks amongst all of those open jobs right now yeah i i think it's a really interesting question because i think san diego is like the big x factor right so if you're if you're an established mls coach uh, let's say Dom Torrens is a perfect example. Do you look at San Diego and, and you really relish the chance to start over, to build something from square one? I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know a lot of guys who are really, really excited about doing that. Phil Neville doing it at Miami is a little bit of a weird situation just because Miami is such a weird situation. Well, that was general. that was Beckham. That was completely his buddy. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So, that's, so, not, that's, that's not Phil Neville's job, the San Diego job. No, 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 no. Although I do oh. think he would like San Diego. I didn't even think about this, buddy. Fucking Landon Donovan. Bring in, bring in Landy, Landy Cakes. Landy Cakes? <laughs> I, so th- that's my question. Like, is, does Landon Donovan want to be coach? I mean, he coached the Loyal and, and did a damn good job with them. Yeah. Um, it, it's a name that I would, I would definitely consider. I would suspect, though, he'll be San Diego or bust. I think getting him to Minnesota would be hard. Honestly, if we're spitballing other names and, and a name I think I would genuinely be interested in, I think Minnesota United will make this call uh, because above all, he's going to be cheap as hell, is Danny Cruz. Mm. Danny Cruz, has, who is a Minnesota United uh, once a loon, uh, has done a... Legend ter- Danny Cruz, yeah. Legend Danny Cruz has done a terrific job with Lou City. He has been a really, really good coach there. Um, actually, one of my dying Danny Cruz memories is in the game uh, back in the NASL where Minnesota and crowd, I, was, I think it was Indy, really got into it. And there should have been like multiple first half red cards. There were multiple brawls. And the ref blew for no stoppage time when there should have been like eight minutes. Was Danny Cruz as a player grabbing all of the other players on the field, holding them at midfield while Indy or whoever it was went into the locker room because that was a shared tunnel situation mm. and got everybody to calm down. And the game was actually fine in the second half, but I've always respected him after that. Um, so, all right, well, we'll, we'll set the, the two wild cards aside. I think honestly, second best job in MLS. I really do. Um, second to whom? I'm going to say New England. 
Okay. Uh, you have an I owner would... who who spends. You don't have the best stadium and facility situation, but it's nowhere. I mean, this isn't like Crapfield Lockhart or anything like that. There's never been plague anywhere around <laughs> Gillette Stadium, which you know Colorado can't say. Um, but look, I mean, what what do you want as a coach coming in? You want talent. You got Timu Puki. You've got Emmanuel Reynoso, who, uh, if you haven't looked at his per ninety stats for the second half of this season, he is playing out of his skull. This is the best Reynoso we've seen, and it's all getting wasted. Um, Lude coming back. You got Lude. Lude coming back. You've got Bongi. young talent in Bong. Yeah, Song Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, you have you have some big payroll decisions to make. Michael Boxel will trap. So you can free up some money. You have an empty DP slot because Mender Garcia, if retained, will slide down to being a TAM player. So you have payroll flexibility. You've got talent on the roster. You have probably the best stadium in MLS. You have a fan base that has been champing at the bit to give you any, like to give you the support as a coach. Shit, what are you missing? You know? Yeah, your payroll might you might wish for a little bit more money, but especially if you're a young, cocky person, like, oh hell, just give me a little bit of talent and I'll make them ten times better. I mean, how many times have we heard coaches say shit like that? Yeah. So I think this is a I think this is a very, very desirable job. I'll throw this out there too. Matt Doyle on Twitter said that, that with competent fullbacks, Minnesota could be pushing 60 points next year, which would win the West. Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about the points dropped. If they had, if they, they've dropped, sorry, they've dropped like 19 points from winning positions this year. Um, uh, like, se- like 17 of those uh, in the um, second half. <laughs> if they'd only, if they'd only like managed to not drop nine of those points, this is before the game on, on Wednesday, obviously, they would have been second place in the Western Conference. So you get some decent fullbacks um, and you have, and you get, fullbacks who can who can play the position um correctly or you change the formation or change the formation or whatever yeah you're right so i so yeah i mean i i tend to agree with you i think i i think this is yeah either the, the first or second best job i i think i ding uh the revolution a little more for their for their facilities right gillette is all the way the hell out in the middle of nowhere in boston you know not well not in boston i guess technically but yeah and so it's a, it's a pain in the ass to get there and then uh, I don't think they have the best, uh, you know, I know they have, they have, they have their own training facilities, but I don't think they're like super great. Not that the Nessie, I mean, the Nessie could be better, but it's also, um, they've done a lot of work out there to make sure that the facilities are a lot better. So, and then, yeah, your point that the talent, I mean, I think New England and Minnesota probably are relatively equal on talent. New England's got maybe a little more heads up in terms of the uh, youth development. Um, they obviously they have, they've been, they're working on, you know, cashing in their players and, and rebuilding. So there's probably a little more on the youth side, but on, on, this, on the flip side of that is Minnesota. If you come in and you have a vision for that, you, you know, we, we already know our, our front office is willing to be malleable with our youth system and change things up on the fly. So if you have an idea about how you can make that work, um, you know, there's some opportunity there as well. And then I think, I guess, in terms of the next best jobs, um, Portland, obviously, there's there's a huge fan base, a uh, very rabid fan base out there. You are dealing with a pretty uh, toxic ownership situation that has not figured itself out all the way yet. Um, and uh, and then the facilities, you know, while Providence Park is is iconic, it's not the best place to to play soccer. Um, it might actually might be one of the worst places to play soccer in, in MLS. <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, as much as I love going to games there, 
Um, and then uh, I guess the other jobs, you know, Colorado, you mentioned the aforementioned plague. Um, also, their stadium is <laughs> pretty shitty, honestly, too. Uh, and then I guess well, the sort of the wild card is the Chicago Fire, right? Like they have yeah. uh, an owner who's willing to spend money. Um, you know, they're not, it's, they're playing at Soldier Field, so they're playing, but they're at least playing on grass um, in a, you know, a stadium. And they're working on building their own stadium soon, hopefully. So that's like maybe the X factor of like, if you want to live in a Midwest town, but with a higher budget, um, sh- you know, Chicago might be an in- intriguing just position. Uh, I don't think they have as much talent as Minnesota does right now, but you know, they're not, they're not so far off Minnesota in that regard. No, the interesting thing about Chicago and Portland and new England is you're talking about three of the most iconic franchises at various points in MLS's history. So if you're like an MLS insider, somebody who's, you know, been around for forever and a day, those things probably do matter to you you know, being able to say, oh, you know, I brought the fire back to glory. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably a pretty cool thing. If you're, I don't think, I think he's actually like fully retired now, but for years, the guy I really wanted to bring over was Steve Bold, um, who built Arsenal's academy and was like the academy manager there. And, you know, he would coach when Arsene Wenger was suspended or sick or whatever. Uh, so he could do it. So I was like, oh, you know, bring him over, run the Academy. All of a sudden Minnesota's got, you know, 14 to 16 year olds coming out the yin yang, all of whom are ballers. Uh, this was, I was, I was uh, very altered on substances every time this came up. Um, <laughs> it's actually not true. I just fucking love Arsenal. Um, yeah. He doesn't care, right? Like it doesn't matter to him that the fire used to be good and then were terrible. And now he could make like whatever. Yeah. So Minnesota, I think has probably more appeal if you don't actually care about MLS, if you're one of the people who's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do something. I'm we're coming back to glory. Then you're probably more attracted to those other three jobs. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, all right. Well, man, we've been doing just for like 45 minutes. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Um, any, any final thoughts or, or feelings about today? Obviously it was a, it, you know, it was, it was a, we ended our long regional nightmare finally is over. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, Adrian Heath uh, is no longer the manager. Anything else you wanna you wanna throw in there? I have a I do have a word from Martin though. So, oh, that, I'll definitely save room for for that. I, you know, like I'm I'm over the mood that Adrian Heath is gone. I was so tired of dealing with the same problems over and over and over again without any movement on them. I don't actually hold any particular animus against the guy. I don't. I, if he wants to go and run whatever, Bury St. Edmunds or Torque United or what, like, have at it. Go go do it. I'll I'll set up a Google alert for your name and I'll be like, dang, Adrian Heath either really still sucks or is killing it when he's back in England. Just don't, thank God that he's not <laughs> doing it here that this period is over. And honestly, we may get a worse coach for a while. Adrian Heath is extremely mediocre. He was super middle of the road. And then we may have a couple of years of, you know, you and I stacked in a trench coat trying to run this team. But it just, I'm excited for new problems. Yeah, could could, could be worse. Could be worse. Uh, yeah, I, I, I echo that. Um, and I'm sure we'll have more to say about this over the course of the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we'll be recapping 
the final or the final home match of the season uh this coming you know saturday actually probably today if you're listening to this podcast on saturday um we're gonna have uh we have two special guests lined up chris lidholm former uh voice of the loons as well as andy greeter of the of the pioneer press um he's gonna be joining us on monday i'm sure andy will have stuff to say about uh about everything um (laughs) Maybe we can get him to divulge some of his sources or whatever and, and let us know how, how long this has been in the works. Uh, so come back, check that out. Uh, hopefully we'll post that Tuesday morning. Um, you can always find Dan at D Wade on the Twitter machines. Uh, are you posting on Twitter much? Are you, you're... I'm, I'm almost all blue sky now. And okay. I'm also D Wade on blue sky. D-Wade so. Okay, perfect. Yeah. You can also find me at Texas Zeller okay. on either uh, the Twitter machine still or uh, over at blue sky. I'm not posting as much at blue sky. I probably should start focusing on that. Um, and then I'm going to leave us with a, uh, a quote from our good friend, uh, original Dave, David Martin. He just, uh, wanted me to give him a shout out and, uh, and say, here's a quote that he gave us it's from an old wallflower song, uh, regarding Adrian Heath. I wish you health. I wish you happiness and absolutely nothing else. I wish you health, I wish you happiness, but absolutely nothing else. I wish you health, I wish you happiness, but absolutely nothing else. Now I'm not here to keep an eye on you, I think you misunderstood. Yeah, I could make things easy for you. Less for you.